0: I know I am. I know I am. Um, If we haven't met yet, uh, then I've been talking for a long time, and you have no idea who I am. My name is JJ, and alongside my wonderful wife Liz, we have the honor and privilege of serving Journey Church as its pastors. It really is the privilege of our heart and our lives. Somebody sent me a photo Yesterday, five years ago, we were in a coffee shop meeting, and there were probably about 30 people, and it was one of the first gatherings ever of Journey Church. And to look at that coffee shop and to look at this auditorium today is just a testament that uh, not just in the power of dreams, because you, you hear that a lot at, at the Grammys, and you hear that a lot in the Oscars, you know, just chase your dreams. I'm an example of what happens when you chase your dreams. I'm not an example of what happens when you chase your dreams. I'm, I'm an example of what happens when you're obedient. Wow. Just be obedient. Whatever God has asked you to do in life, if you do it to the fullest of your ability, I promise you he will bless you. I promise you he will take you further than you ever thought. And so we're glad that you're here. Um, we believe God is doing something powerful in your life. Uh, if you are a first-time guest, you're a VIP, Journey Church, would you put your hands together and welcome them one more time? Come on, we're so glad. We hope you come back. The men's restroom on the bottom floor will be working when you come back. And. We are still in the process of renovating. We did just enough to be legal. We did just enough to, to make sure that we can open up and be safe, I should say. And, uh, and so we're still in problem. But the cool thing is you'll be able to come in week after week and see one more thing installed and one more thing added, and you'll be really be able to be a part of the, of the building process. I want to also keep it going for Journey Church Online. Come on, keep it going for Journey Church Online. What's up, Journey Church Online? I know for you, it's like no difference because you still got the... <laughs> you're in your building right now. We're grateful for that too. Thank you so much for being with us. We love you. We know you can't be with us right now for health reasons or geographical reasons, whatever it may be. Just know you're a part of our family and we can't wait to see you in person one day in the future. Well, we are on week three of a sermon series we are calling, If the Bible is True. Has this blessed anybody's life? I hope so. I've been... uh, always preaching from the Bible, and recently I've had the opportunity to to preach about the Bible. I've got 25 minutes left on that clock because I did that whole thing in the beginning, and I got about a 50-minute message, but you'll forgive me, right? You'll forgive me this Sunday. Everybody in the front row, people in the back, like we said, in the back for a reason. We're trying to go home, so... I'll try and and not take too much time, but um, we've been talking about the Bible, and uh, it's been exciting. I didn't know that a lot of people would be uh, into it, because most people just care about change and transformation, and that's probably why you came to church today, because you want to be better and do better, but the secret really is in the Word of God. This is how you become better. This is how you do better, and so I want to put this in your hands so that you can help yourself, help your family, and continue to grow, and so uh, in addition to this, we're equipping you. JourneyORL.com forward slash Bible is a webpage you can go to to learn how to study. Study your Bible I can't really get into all that here so you can go to that webpage and learn more information and I want to do a quick recap and so in week one we talked about how the Bible is your foundation the Bible is your foundation that means that you can trust in it you can build on it and you can hide in it your life should be built on the word of God in week two we two in week two in week two we lost 30 percent of our church and in week two We talked about how the Bible is a surgeon and it will cut you, but it doesn't cut you to hurt you. It cuts you to remove things in your life and in your heart that are harmful for you. And we asked a simple question. Does the Bible ever disagree with you? If the Bible never disagrees with you, the chances are you are not allowing the Bible to shape you in the image of Christ, but you are shaping the Bible in the image of yourself. Sometimes we can't live life based on feelings because if you've been alive for any amount of time, you know that your feelings is a lie. Your feelings is a lie. And so you got to build your life on God's truth. And so sometimes you read the Bible and that stuff hurts to hear, but it's helpful for you. God's got your best in mind and your purpose in mind when he says these things. And today we're going to get get a little rowdy in church today uh, because we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17. For sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and read it. You can read it on the screen behind me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, is there anybody struggling today? It's good to know I'm not the only one, right? I love it when you read the Bible and be like, okay, Paul, you were struggling too. But for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, when, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. I wish more people knew that sometimes losing isn't losing, sometimes winning isn't winning, and sometimes just being able to stand is winning. Sometimes when when life just can't knock you down, sometimes just standing is a victory in and of itself. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, and here's what I want to preach about today, and the sword of the Spirit, which is, say it with me, the word of God. Say it one more time. The word of God. Um, would you like to hear a story of one of my m- more controversial moments as a parent? If so, say Amen. I don't know that you should do this. This is what I, a lot of times I'll tell you what the Bible says. I don't know that the Bible says this, but I did this as a parent. So it's a little disclaimer. My son, as you know, is, uh, is uh, nine years old, Justice, and he's starting to hang out with the kids in the neighborhood. A couple of weeks ago, I preached about how he's now encountering bullies, and I'm teaching him how to interact with these bullies, and one day he came in, and he was telling me about this bully he lives across the street, and I was telling him um, when he says mean things to you, and then I did all the Christian stuff, you know? And I was like, when he says mean things to you, you know, just understand you don't know what kind of family he came from. You don't know his story. You don't know if, if, he, was, if he was raised in a home with support and love. So you got to assume the best and you got to just know that he's probably doing his best. And this is all how he knows. And if he says bad things to you, you say good things to him. And, and if he makes fun of you, you stand up for yourself, Papa. You stand up for yourself and you tell him, excuse me, I don't like the way you're talking to me right now. And so and I feel good with all of that. And that but then he asked me a question and I had to like, Ooh. He said, but what but what what if he hits me dad? Ooh. At that point, your boy ran out of Bible verses. <laughs> I said if he hits you, he said, yeah, what if I say all that and then he hits me? I said, well if he hits you, let me teach you how to make a fist right quick. You want the thumb on the outside, Pop, because if it's on the inside, it could break upon contact. And so make sure you have the thumb on the outside, and you never want to hit the person. You want to hit through the person. You want to punch the invisible person behind that person because that's really where you get your leverage, and you also want to turn... (laughs) I don't know if that's Bible, but I'm just saying, if he hits you, though, You're going to have to hit him back. And that is the title of my message. If the Bible is true, hit him back. Hit him back. Because here's the thing. I feel like you've got a bully named the devil. And he's been picking on you. And he's been coming after you and coming after your family. And because you want to be a good Christian, you don't know how to respond. And you don't know what to do, but the Bible says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That means that if he hits you, hit him back. Hit him back. You got a way to defend yourself. I want to preach today on the topic of spiritual warfare. And, and, I, and I want to give you a proper perspective of spiritual warfare because violence is never really condoned in life. You need to know that. It's never okay to just go up to people you don't like. And just, you know, just, it's not okay that you do that. But there is one condition in which even the courts will let you go, and that is in the condition of self-defense. And I need to say that because there is an unhealthy perspective on spiritual warfare. And that is that Christians need to go out looking for the devil and looking for, and everything's a demon. And we need to go find that demon. And I'm right here, I'm an exorcist. That's my calling. I'm an exorcist. And, and this water is warm. It's the demon of lukewarm water. And I was going, and you just go out casting every devil and demon. And I want to let you know that's not healthy and it's not biblical. In, in the book of Acts, there was this group of, of Christians called the sons of Sceva. And they would go out casting devils. And one day, they went out trying to cast some devils, and the devils looked at them, and they said, "Um, I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but who are you, and beat them naked. That's what the Bible says. The demons beat them naked, and you know what their mistake was? Not that they believed in the wrong person. They believed in Jesus. Their mistake was that they made their mission the demonic. Your mission is not the demonic, because the demons have already been defeated at the cross of Calvary. You don't got to go looking for demons. On the other side, there's these disciples that went out and casted out demons successfully. You know why? Because they didn't go after demons. They went after lost people. And when you go and live your life on mission, you don't got to find the devil. The devil will find you. I'm just trying to tell you, the moment you decide to be a good parent and that becomes your mission, the devil will come after you. The moment you decide to be a good husband, the devil will come after you. The moment you decide, I think I'm going to start getting closer to God, the devil will come after you. The moment you decide we're going to turn a gambling center into a church, am I right, staff? The devil will come after you. The devil will come after you. As long as you live your life on mission, just prepare for an attack. But when you get attacked and you're on mission, there is an authority that falls on you where God goes, okay, you didn't pick this fight. But if he's going to come for you, get ready because you can fight back because there's power on you. There's authority on you. You can defend yourself. Now, before I continue, I need to address the elephant in the room. And that is that many people do not believe in the existence of devil, demons, and spirits. And the reason you might not believe in devils, demons, or spirits is because, honestly, you're still trying to figure out whether or not you believe in God. And I love that because that's what Journey Church exists. It's for you. You're trying to figure it out. And so I'm going to try and simplify spiritual warfare as best as I can. (laughs) I wrote it like this. Spiritual warfare is for all the things in your life that you can't punch. Spiritual warfare is for all the things in your life that you can't punch. I broke it down into three categories. The first is the unexplainable. When you wake up in the morning and for no good reason, you feel heavy. You feel, t- you had eight hours of sleep, you wake up and you're tired. And your mind feels burdened and you have no idea what's going on. That's warfare. Not just the unexplainable, but the unbelievable. When you have had that week or that month or that year when crisis after crisis after crisis I have to struggle. Am I preaching to anybody today? I have to struggle. just finds you to a point where you step back and you go, this doesn't feel like a coincidence. This feels like an attack. It's not just the unexplainable or the unbelievable, but also the unbearable, like when your baby gets sick or a spouse leaves you by their choice or maybe by not their choice, and you feel this unbearable pain, And the fact that you can't punch it leaves you feeling powerless. But I came to tell you today that you don't have to sit there and take it any longer. You don't have to sit back while your family is under attack. You don't have to bow down to the bully of your burden. You don't have to remain handcuffed to the hold of your habits. You are not the devil's punching bag. You have the ability and the power to fight back. And I'm not just here to teach you how to fight back. I'm here to help you get your fight back. Because you have been beaten up so bad recently that you have lost your fight. You want to hear Pastor's favorite Bible verse? This is my favorite Bible verse. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Matthew 11:12. 12. You might not like me. after. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. I'm just saying, sometimes you got to look at the devil and you go, you ain't taking my child. You're not taking my husband. You're not taking my my, my family. You will not steal my sanity. Sometimes you got to get violent. I'm all for pacifism when it comes to nation against nation. And I'm all for conflict resolution and communication when it comes to co-workers. But hell does not negotiate. And demons do not deliberate. They only understand one language. And it is the language of violence. So if you coming for me, you best believe I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. If you're coming for me, I'm coming for you. And so I'm going to teach you not the art of self-defense today, but I'm going to teach you the art of spiritual defense today. You excited to learn? The very first step to spiritual defense is you have to know and study your enemy. Study your enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The interesting thing about this, the interesting thing about this verse, I don't know what happened there, is, that, is the context. Before it says we're fighting against spiritual devils and demons, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Children, obey your parents. Parents, do not provoke your children. It says husbands, die for your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. It says employees, serve your employers like you were serving God. And it says employers, make sure you take good care of your employees. And after all that, it says, for we do not fight against flesh and blood. When you hear it in context, it all makes sense. I wrote it like this. You might fight with people, but you're not fighting against them. You better understand that this Bible is not meant to be used on your neighbor. It's called the sword of the spirit, not the shank of the spirit. And some of y'all just be rolling up on people like, oh, yeah, you're a good person. Shank! And you just come out and... The Bible was not meant to make other people feel worse about themselves. And the moment you use it to attack somebody, you are missing the enemy in the process. It's not the, it's not the shank of the spirit. Is the sword of the spirit. Yeah. I remember. I remember uh, being younger, wanting to get ear piercings, and my family was traditional. Um, they're not as traditional or religious anymore. Uh, around the same time, they started coming to journey, <laughs> something changed in their life, and and, um, and I and I remember my dad, man, God bless him. He was so against earrings. I don't know why. But he was super against it, and he was just like, not in my house, and not in my house. And so I called up my godmother, who was like one of the most God-freeing people I know, and I told her, I said, listen to what my dad's doing, and, and I started picking up the Bible, and I was like, and you know what? I said, saw, I saw, he's a Pharisee. You <laughs> don't know what a Pharisee is. It's someone who is really religiously uptight. I said, my dad's a Pharisee, and I got eight verses right here. I'm about to lay on him and let him know that he's a, he's a Pharisee. She said, don't you use the Bible against your father. I said, but he's wrong. And then she said something i never forget. She said, they're called verses, not bullets. Wow. So don't use them to hurt people. I wasn't fighting against my dad. I was fighting the spirit of pride. Wow. And if I could not defeat the spirit of pride, by the way, is wanting to be right. And if I, and if I did not defeat the spirit of pride as a son, I'd fight it again as a husband. So wow. If you don't understand that you're fighting a spirit, you will fight the same spirit in different places and different people at different times in your life. This is why you got seven jobs and you're still unemployed. Because you never defeated the spirit of laziness in seventh grade. And because you, because you couldn't find the energy to do the work in seventh grade, you can't find the energy to do work on the seventh job. You keep telling yourself it's about passion. If I just find a job that I'm passionate about, then I'll do it. It's not passion, bro. It's procrastination. And if you don't defeat that spirit now, you're going to find it again as a parent. You're going to find it again as a son of God. You're going to find it again as a friend. You're going to find it again as a father. If you don't fight the right spirit, you're going to fight the same spirit in a different place and a different person. And so now once you've identified that it's a spirit issue, not a person issue, I'm going to give you four, four go-to moves. You ready? All right. You ready to do this? All right. Here's the first move like this. So I want everyone to do it on three. We're going to shoulders out and we're going to extend in a straight vertical shot on three. One, two, three. Okay. You just learned the throat chop of truth. The The throat chop, the throat chop of truth. One thing you have to know about your enemy is that he is a liar. But he doesn't just lie, he deceives. And deceiving is worse than lying because lying is blatant. You know a lie when it's coming, but that would be like telegraphing a punch. If you know it's coming, you'll be able to dodge it. So what the enemy does to hit you is he takes what seems true and builds lies on top of it. That's deception when you think you're right, but you're actually wrong. In other words, what he does is he takes facts and makes fiction out of facts. Let me show you how he does it in the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Jesus and the devil are going toe to toe right here. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, and I was about to fight, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. (laughs) And the devil said, (laughs) and here's what you have to understand. Everything the devil said was a fact. Was Jesus hungry? Was Jesus the son of God? Could Jesus have turned those stones into bread? Fact, fact, fact. Here's fiction. Because of all of those things, you should do this thing to serve yourself. He took facts and made fiction. And what the Bible does is it allows you to take those facts and put them into the picture of a larger story. And so so Jesus says, okay, it's true. I can turn these stones into bread, but if I turn these stones into bread now to avoid the pain of hunger, what's to say that I won't use my power to get out of the cross later? If I I use my power to get out of it now, I'll use my power to get out of it later. The devil was setting him up. But Jesus took the facts and he put them in the picture of a larger story. What you said is right, but it's not true. I say that because Jesus didn't change the facts. He was still hungry. He, he did have the, but what he did was he changed the story. I wrote it like this. When God, because you got some facts in your life that are not helping you out. But when God doesn't change the facts, ask him to change the story. You got some facts about your unemployment right now. You got some facts about the condition of your marriage right now. You got some facts that the doctor just gave you about how long you have. And and that's okay. And that sucks. And I'm so sorry. But if you pray and God doesn't change your facts, ask him to change your story. Because the devil's trying to tell you a story that is not true about yourself. Let me tell you how this works. Let's say you make a mistake. Let's say you fall back into a bad habit, something that you thought you had overcome and you had, and you had beaten, and the devil rubs it in your face. Here's a fact. You failed again you got high again. You got drunk again. You watched porn again. That's a fact. You did it and it was bad. But when you use the Bible to throw chop the lies of the enemy, make sure you go to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 It says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And so here's how you throw chop the devil. You say devil you're right and I'm not saying that what I did is not bad. I'm just saying, I'm not finished. The reason why I failed, I'm not finished. God's still working on me, and I won't be finished until the time that Jesus comes back. So yeah, I'm not perfect, but it's because I'm not finished. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to take your facts, and I'm going to put it into the story of truth. That's how you use the Bible. Don't <laughs> chop the devil. You want to learn move number two? All right, all right. Stick out your hand like this. On the count of three. One. Two, three. Yeah. You just learn the slap of serving. <laughs> you just learn the slap of serving. I'm going to give you a Bible verse real quick. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 40. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone, this is what I said. I don't know if I gave justice the right advice. but If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt. Hand over your coat as well. I don't think this Bible verse is preaching, by the way, to just stand there while someone obliterates you in your face. But it's talking about something deeper. When I was growing up in the playgrounds of New York, if you got punched in a fight, you were cool. Because you could go back to your friends and be like, yeah, he hit me, but I hit him. Especially if you had like a black eye or something like that, you just were dope. People clapped for you when you came back to class, you know, if you got punched. But if you got slapped, right, that's a whole nother, that's just disrespectful. If you got punched, you were cool. But if some dude came up to you and slapped you, ooh, you're sick for the next week. You're not coming back to school. It's just disrespectful. That's why I call it the slap of serving. In that passage that I just read, the devil wants you to repay tooth for tooth, eye for eye, because he understands that violence begets violence. But if the person who receives violence doesn't return that violence with more violence, but instead serves them, it becomes a slap in the face of the devil because you are doing the exact thing that he was trying to stop you from doing. It's just disrespectful to slap him like that because that's exactly what he was trying to keep you from doing. Serving is disrespectful to the devil when he attacks you. Because exactly what he was trying to I remember at 21 days of prayer, after we were finished praying in the front, there was a gentleman off to the side. He and his wife pulled me to the side. He's probably here in the service. And he said, hey, I just joined the worship team. I said, oh, that's so cool, man. Tell me about your story. And he said, well, I joined. I love it. I love the community. Everything is great. He goes, I just want to let you know. He said, last week, um, my mom passed away. I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear it. And then I looked up. I said, didn't you play worship on Sunday? He said, yeah. I said, but your mom passed away on Wednesday? He said, yeah i do not sure if it was Wednesday, if I messed up the story, but it was definitely that week. He said, yeah, but I, but, I, but I decided to play. I said, why did you play? You could have called in. We got backup drummers. He said, I thought about my mom, and I thought about her in heaven, and I thought if this is her first Sunday in heaven, oh, wow. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. I want to see, I want her to see me doing what she always prayed that I'd be doing my whole life. Oh, yeah. I thought, wow. I said, and his mom from heaven was pleased, but the devil in hell was pissed. Because he's like, are you kidding me right now? This is exactly what I was trying to stop. And you're telling me that I attacked his family and he just go ahead, he's going to drop a beat like that? You weren't banging the drums. I want to let you know you were banging his head because he could not figure out how you could keep going in spite of all the attack. I just want to tell your husbands right now, I know you want a sword to fight your wife, but sometimes you don't fight your wife with a sword. <laughs> hey, husband, I know you want to fight your wife with a sword, but sometimes you don't fight your wife with a sword. Sometimes the best way to fight your wife... Is... Are you going to talk about me like that? You're just going to embarrass me in front of your boys? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. You know, you call me, you know, shout, shout, I'm not a man in front of my friends. I came home, there was no dinner. You don't even love me. I haven't had sex in three months. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna use all that energy. <laughs> I'm gonna show you. Sometimes you fight with sweeping and not a sword. <laughs> Sometimes you got to serve those that try and hurt you. Sometimes you got to just show them, I'm not going to come at you like that. Sometimes the best way to get back at your neighbor whose dog keeps pooping on your lawn is not by pooping on their lawn. Because I know you thought about it. You're like, it's dark, nobody will ever know. Sometimes it's to get in your lawnmower and cut their grass. You going to come at me, I'm going to come at you. I'm saying sometimes the best way to fight the devil, if the devil's been attacking your family, is to be a greeter at Journey Church. Hey, and people are pulling in their cars and you all like, good morning. Yeah. Just lost your job? Unemployed? Good morning. And the devil in hell is like, what do I have to do to get them out of the picture? What do I have to do to stop them from praising? What do I have to do? It's a slap in the face of the devil. So the, the, so the devil stole your father? Amen. Well, guess what? I'm going to join Journey Kids, and I'm going to be a father to kids that don't have a father. If you take my dad, I'm going to become a dad. I'm going to become a dad. Sometimes the best way to fight is just look at you, devil. Mm-mm. There was somebody here who was painting. I went up to him. I said, man, thank you. I said, you don't know how much we need this. He goes, and well, you don't know how much I need this. Going through something right now. I don't know how to fight it, but when I paint, I feel like I'm fighting. Oh, I feel like I'm just throwing haymakers at the devil when I'm painting. When I'm painting. When I paint. You want to know the next move? Yeah. Hi. i right. I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna display it. Yeah. yeah. But when you do it, make sure you go, Hadouken. I'm just playing. <laughs> that's how Street Fighter millennial. So right there. All right. On three. One, two, three. <laughs> you just learn the counterpunch of prayer. The counterpunch of prayer. Ephesians 6:18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I love that the verse says on all occasions and all kinds. So there are different types of prayers that you give at different times of your life. There are some occasions that unlock certain levels of prayer. One of my favorite boxers of all time was the one by the name of Muhammad Ali. He was always fast. He wasn't the strongest fighter. But every time he got in the ring, he was the smartest fighter. One time he had to fight George Foreman, you know, the guy who does the grills. And he was fighting them in the rumble in the jungle. And uh, he knew he couldn't outpunch Foreman because Foreman was strong. So he invented this strategy called, well, he didn't invent it, but he employed this strategy called the rope-a-dope. Karina, where's Karina Vasquez? Karina always calls the devil a dummy. He, he, he's not just a dummy, Karina. He's a dope. And, and what he would do is he would box up like this, and Foreman would hit him. And when he hit him, the rope would absorb the punch. So he would just wait and wait and wait. And Foreman was, whoa, whoa, whoa. And and then after he would hit, he would get so exhausted from hitting, he would drop his gloves just for a second to see if he had done any damage to Ali. And whenever he would drop his gloves just for a second to look if Ali had suffered any damage, Ali would go from this to this. And the reason he was able to counter is because his defense put him in a position to attack. Sometimes it feels... Like the enemy is just wailing on you. And you are just like this in life. And he just keeps hitting and 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 hitting. And then you find yourself in a position. When life brings you to your knees, take advantage of your position. And so he hits me and he hits me and he hits me, but the devil done messed up. But because by beating me to my knees, he put me in a position <laughs> to be able to call on a higher power To fight the battle that I cannot fight on my own. And so you got me here devil, but you messed up because there was more strength here in this position than there was on my feet. You shouldn't have came at me the way that you came at me. You made me desperate. You should have kept me full. You should have kept me hungry. You should have kept me complacent. But when you took it all from me, you gave me no choice but to drop down right here and lift up a prayer to God and say, Lord, help me. And when we are in this position, Damn! You'll find a strength on your knees that did not exist on your feet. I got more stories, but I'm going to go to the last one, the last one. Praise, praise good. We'll probably spend more time on that next service. Come back for next service. I'll spend more time on prayer. <laughs> I'm going to give you the last move. I'm going to give you the last move. I'm going to give you the last move. The last move is like this. On three, go like this. One, two, three. Yeah. This move is called the win of worship. Yeah, so I mean, this is good, and, 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 that's, and that's funny, and that that's powerful. But this right here, that's right. That's right. this right here, that's, right. that's game. That's that's game right there. The win of worship. Now, I know you might be telling yourself, but well, that's not really a move. Exactly. Because the win of worship is a reminder wow. that you don't have to move. Because wow, so the battle is already one. won. That's right. Come on. It's already won. There's a story in the Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 through 22. The Israelites are overwhelmed. They're not, no longer fighting one nation on one side but they're fighting two nations on two sides. If you know anything about military strategy, this is a problem. Because if you want to send all your army to one side, you can defend against one, but if the moment it's two sides, you have to split your army into two places. I share that story because I want you to feel the overwhelm of the enemy. You don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to say amen, but I want to take just a second to speak to anybody today who feels overwhelmed. If you are overwhelmed today, you've got one more weapon in your arsenal. It is called the wind of worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 through 22. The king appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. 2 Chronicles verse 21. Saying, and this is what they sang. Can y'all imagine an army with the swords in their pockets? singing Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever and Verse 22 is gonna be your verse today y'all can play whatever music comes on. as they began to sing and praise the Lord Set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir three different locations They were surrounded Who were invading Judah? And they were defeated without lifting a sword. Defeated. To worship in the middle of your trial is to remember how your trial ends. Go ahead, put it on the screen. To worship in the middle of your trial is to remember how your trial ends. I'm not a big mystery reader, but once in my life I read a mystery book. Very suspenseful. I didn't like it. Throughout the whole book, I'm like, what's going to happen? Who's the bad guy? And then I realized halfway through the book that I do not have to submit to the suspense. I was 12 chapters away from the end, but I said, bump this. And I got that book, and I went straight to the end. I said, okay, it was the butler. And they get him in the end. And then I went back to the middle, and I got to enjoy the rest of the story because I knew how the story would end. I just want you to know you don't got to wait 12 chapters. You don't got to stay stuck in the suspense. You have the ability in God's word to fast forward to the end. Right there in the book of Revelations where it tells you that the battle is won that every struggle comes to a close, that every weakness is no more tears shed, no more pain, no more hurt, you can fast forward to the end, that's what worship does, because in heaven we, we worship, so when you worship on earth, what you're really doing is fast forwarding, to the end (laughs) we fast forward to the end I saw a man die on Wednesday That might throw some of y'all for a loop unless you are a officer a doctor or serial killer the rest of us don't see dead bodies often or if you're a pastor a big part of our job is spent in hospital rooms I know y'all think this is all I do. But a big part of our job is been in hospital rooms. On Wednesday, I saw a man pass away. He was disconnected from a breathing machine, which brought me back to when my son was also disconnected from his breathing machine. It was very emotional. He was the father of one of the staff members of our church. It was unexpected. In front of us, he breathed his last, and went to be with God. What killed me was watching his wife sitting next to him in the hospital bed, holding his hand, crying like the kind of cry you notice know if you're a parent. You know how your kid got different cries. And there's one cry that you run for because if he's crying like that, something happened. That's how she was crying, loud, in pain. And then right after she started crying her son got her the iPhone and played their favorite worship song. Oh, I forgot one more detail. The day he passed away was their 26th wedding anniversary, that same day, 26 years the day they should be celebrating their morning and when he played their favorite song that Widow began to worship and I think what she was doing she didn't have the theology to explain it but I think what she was doing was forwarding to the end because I don't have you right now baby one day we'll be together again in the presence of the one we both love Jesus worship is a weapon because it reminds you you've already won even when it feels like you're losing You know why else it's a win? Because you have misunderstood the whole reason why the devil attacks you in the first place. You think he attacks you because he don't like you. He could care two flips about you. He attacks you because he hates God. And God is invincible. So since he can't hurt God, he instead goes after the ones that God loves. If you want to hurt me, don't worry about me. Come after my children. You come after my children. I'm hurting. And so the devil's whole point in stealing from you and hurting you was never to hurt you. It was to hurt him by separating you from him. Which is why when you worship, (laughs) he thinks to himself, oh, this is going to separate them. This is going to end their relationship with God for good. This is going to cut it off right here. Cancer, this is going to cut it off right here. I know it. A divorce, this is going to cut it off right here. I know it. I know it because I just want you to walk away from God. And when the person who's supposed to walk away from God steps into God's presence and lifts their hands and says, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord. and worship is how you end. Devil, you're not gonna have my life. You're not gonna have the lives of my children. You're not gonna have my destiny. You're not gonna have my purpose. I know you tried to separate me from God, but I'll still, I'ma still bless him. I'ma still love him. That being said, there's somebody in this room today, the reason you didn't have the dad you wanted, the reason you didn't have the upbringing you wanted, the reason why you went through hell as a child, was because the devil was doing everything in his power to keep you from being in a relationship with God And today you have the opportunity to really stick it to him and say I know you've been trying to pull me away But today I'm gonna make the decision to step into the relationship that you've been trying to pull me from Today I gonna make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life take that devil yeah. If that's you when you're in this room today, and you need to come back home You want to stick it to the devil and do the one thing he's been trying to keep you from. And when I say three, right where you are, nobody has to look. Every head bowed, every eye closed. to a moment of privacy. You want to raise your hand on three saying, I need Jesus in my life. I'm not going to let the devil do what he's been trying to do my entire life. This is your moment right here on three. If that's you, shoot that right hand high up to the sky all over this building. I need Jesus in my life. I'm tired of running away devil you will not win on three one all over this room forget who's looking two it's between you and jesus right now on three one two three shoot your right hand up to the sky right now shoot your right hand up to the sky right now shoot your right hand up to the sky right now i need you jesus I know you came for me when I was a kid. I know you came for me, my dad and my moms and my grandma when I was a kid, but, but I'm not going to let you win, devil. Mm-mm. Today, I'm coming to put my foundation on Jesus. Today, I'm coming to let you know I will give my life. I will follow. I'm giving it to you because God keeps his promises. Yes, he does. If you prayed your hand, go ahead and put it down. I see all your hands up. My gosh, 20, 25 hands. On the count of three, I want you to repeat this prayer with me all over this room. It's real simple. It's real easy. Jesus. I know I can't be perfect perfect. but I'm coming to you it doesn't all make sense but somehow you do forgive me I'm coming home today I want to build my life on you I was wrong today you make me right and i say this, but say this with a little swagger. Say it with a little anger. Say it with a little attitude. Tell them, devil, you lose. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com slash give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.